hey, I've got a cool idea. Mm -hmm. I really have a passion for this, whatever your passion is. Mm -hmm. I mean, years and years and years ago, somebody came here and looked at our beautiful bay and was like, this would be a wonderful place for rowing. And now little San Felipe's rowing team ended up in the Olympics. That's right. That was just somebody going, hey, well, you know, if they had been in the San Francisco Bay, it would have taken them 10 years to get a permit to drop the first yeah. skiff in the water. Yeah. Hi, my name is Cal Wedby. Welcome to Turn Left at the Cactus. If you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you may have noticed that even though our conversations are great, our audio may not always be super optimal. Now, that's not because we don't have access to a studio or that we don't have the right sort of equipment. Actually, we do have a studio of sorts, and we also have quite a bit of pretty good equipment, especially given our retiree budgets. You see, our aim is to capture our conversations with as much authenticity as we can, which often means going to where our community normally hangs out. It's in these places that we feel we can capture the natural energy of our guests, and it follows the energy of San Felipe as well. The result, we think, is a wonderful blend of interesting personalities and quirky environments. Or perhaps it's quirky personalities and interesting environments. Take your pick. Anyway, this episode takes Trisha and I to Cafecito Lindo, located next door to the Sunrunner Mail. Here we treated ourselves to a caramel latte, some pastries, and some stray dog ice cream. And yes, that is a plug. While we did this, we also shared a wonderful conversation with two women who have contributed selflessly of their talents and their know-how to special needs of children, elderly, and interestingly enough, horses of the San Felipe and Baja area. Yvonne Armour and Lynn Lazzarini, working in tandem with the San Felipe community, have created some very special programs. And this is just a small peek at their story. My name is Yvonne Amor, and I was born and raised in Colorado, um, raised on ranches and farming community. And the other half of my life I spent in Texas, once again, um, in a farming community with um, horses. I did development and learning with um, children from the age of birth up to six years for about 27 years. I owned and operated a development and learning center. And basically I contracted with families and took care of their babies from birth to age five um, in a home setting that was more between daycare, home, and monastery. What kind of education did that involve? Hours and hours of education. Um, we have to take all kinds of different trainings for SID, shaken baby syndrome, growth and development, brain development, everything else like that. Um, I also took a lot of training in dealing with autism. When my last daughter graduated from college, I decided to start traveling. Um, and when I started traveling, I didn't know where I was going or what I was headed for. And I ended up in 2017 down here in Baja. I was going to stay for six weeks. And um, this is 2022 and I'm still here. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, I had worked with um, equine horses in Texas doing a program called All-Star Equestrian. They're out of Burleson, Texas, and they deal with um, working with students with horses with disabled students um, and now um, BTST veterans. And um, when I got down here, I originally just came to do therapy with disabled students in San right. Felipe. And that program fell through, but I found out um, that Lynn had her ranch located on El Dorado Ranch. And I thought, well, if she's game for it, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So I approached her. I met her at South Campos one evening at a party and kind of introduced myself and then met with her in person and decided she was good for it. I was good for it. Let's throw it together. Got with the principal and the psychologist at the camp school and stuff. They were excited. They wanted to be invited. And that's how we kind of got started with this. Going to you, Lynn. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I was born in California, raised there, and I um, entered Equine Academy, the United States Pony Club, at age seven. Always been either a competitor and or trainer of people and horses. Uh, I was in Oregon, and there I was the assistant instructional coordinator for the USPC um, and for the Oregon region and was a technical delegate for them for their combined training events and stuff as well. When I moved back to California, I um, used my teaching credential um, there. I have a master's in education as a CLAD credential, so I always had special needs kids in my classroom. While all this was going on in my life, I, um, in Oregon I was a licensed massage therapist. So. I had this applied kinesiology, the equine background, the educational background, and when I came to San Felipe with my horse, um, and I had organized with El Dorado Ranch to go ahead and open a business. It started off as just providing safe care for horses, rescuing horses here in Baja. And, you know, if somebody wanted to board a horse, I offered trail rides to tourists, you know, just anything to get a horse community going. And I had a friend, Holly, who has worked with the CAM school for probably 20 years. And she's a yoga teacher. And she would always give all of her money to the CAM school. And she had said, you know, do you do equine therapy is what it was called at the time. And I said, I would love to do that, but I don't have a specific background in that. I have, you know, the background in training horses and training people and working with children and working with, you know, the body, et cetera. That could be really interesting. I had a number of uh, people who were riding with me who said, yeah, let's do this. So we, Holly put me in touch with the CAM um, principal at that time, which was a different principal from when I met Yovan, um, and we got a small group going, just a very small group going. And it was very informal, and it was just to see if we could get the, the parents and the kids even interested. After the first year is when I then met Yovan, and then there was another principal, and so, you know, she was able to go ahead and you know, contact them because she was already doing all this other work in town with that population, right? So it was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, so then it became what I like to call more of a, a real program, like more organized, right? She had such a background in just this specific thing. She didn't have to worry about the training of the horses. That was happening. And so that, 
Yeah, and then it just took off. So currently I'm in the process of getting my PATH certification, which is an international certification just for doing, being a riding instructor for people with disabilities and challenges. We do have a psychologist who comes out. Um, she's with the CAM school. Um, and we have the principal who comes out, and then I have a teaching credential still. So we can do learning goals. We can do psychological goals. We can do, you know, because we have those backgrounds. So, you know, we're working on that intensity and legitimacy of it. So it's neat because we take the rescued horses from Baja with the people that need rescuing, and to see them grow is amazing. You know, it's just amazing. I'm consumed by the horses, so I don't have the um, the good fortune to do all the other stuff that's happening with, you know, the people who need services here. My barn also provides um, equine-assisted services to other children who aren't in camp, you know, who are in private school or who are adults who are out of school, you know, people with PTSD, and we have the Connected Horse Program there now too, and we're the only barn outside of the United States that has Connected Horse to date. And they are a uh, foundation started at UC Davis. All of their clinical trials were done at Stanford, and they reached out and put me through their facilitator training, and we do that program, and that's for people with early onset memory loss, dementia. Alzheimer's, um, a degenerative brain injury, any of those things, but it's not just for them, it's for them and their care partner. Not their caregiver, that's a paid person, their care partner, the person who's meshed with them. So it's a neat program, it's unmounted, but it's with the horses, so all of a sudden it's for both of them, so they're now on even ground. So it's a very new, very exciting program. We've had that going for two years. How long have you been doing all of this? I opened my barn in 2012. That's when I broke ground and started rescuing horses and providing trail rides and training and lessons. So it's kind of fun because there's like some local kids here Mm -hmm. that are now, you know, married with children that were my first students. So it's like, oh my gosh. A decade. Yes, full time. I came down first in 2006. I was uh, teaching in um, California and on one of those street fairs and there was that sales booth selling <laughs> selling property in right, Mexico, Mexico you know and they try and reel you in and I'm like I don't want a timeshare stay away from me and they're like it's not a timeshare but we'll pay for two days in Mexico I'm like I'm in <laughs> and I came down and fell in love with it yeah. you know so then I was every single break I was here what drew you to San Felipe um, what drew me to San Felipe was originally um, the Volunteers Without Limits program. They had just uh-huh. opened the therapy room with the disabled students. And when I, in my daycare program, I did deal with disabled students, but I also with the All-Star Equestrian out of Burlington, Texas, we dealt with disabled. And I thought, you know, I liked, I wanted to be somewhere on the beach where mm-hmm. it wasn't snowing or mm-hmm. raining or hurricane <laughs> or fire. Exactly. And somebody had yes. suggested Baja and I was like, mm, single woman traveling? I'm not really sure about that, but I saw the Volunteers Without Limits building and I thought, well, you know, why not? Let's try it. Um, I got down here and it wasn't exactly what I had anticipated, Mm -hmm. um, but I found that by working with the school, 
we can transition into the school building and still help students and um, that's what I did. So it worked for you and and you like San Felipe? I do like San Felipe. I'm from Texas and I've always wanted to be on the beach. So for me it's like I got the beach, I got the dunes, I got the mountains, I've got got my kids. Mm -hmm. Where are you living? I'm in Palos Verde Sur on the ranch. Um, we have an all solar home and we've upgraded it throughout the years. It's a simple, tiny one bedroom, one bath, a nice big front patio, but we've upgraded the solar every year to make it sustainable for living full time down here. Okay, so you were full time. Yeah, I'm full time. Oh, yeah, the horses the horses are there full time. Need to be fed. <laughs> Need to be fed and cared for. You're on the ranch. I actually live on the horse ranch, and the horse ranch is at the northwest corner of El Dorado. It's in the area that they call Ponderosa, so it's not zoned for housing. It's where the, it's the rural part of El Dorado. It's where their wells are. It's where their sod farm is. So it's all open land, never to be in our lifetime ever. It's, it's not cut up for houses or zoned for houses. So yeah, I have the acreage out there um, and have Perfect. just slowly built a full equestrian center. It was raw land. There was nothing there at all. Um, and the way that got started was in 2006 when I came down and fell in love with it and decided to buy property. And I just fell in love with it. So I had talked to the developer and I said, hey, are you gonna have an equestrian center? I wanna see your master plan. And he goes, yeah, I showed me the master plan. There was, it was set up for an equestrian center. This was before the giant bubble burst. Right. And yeah. um, I said, well, great. When I retire down here, I will contact you if you want a barn manager, because this is kind of what I do. I could manage your facility. So we kept in contact, developed a relationship and stuff. Well, I ended up coming down here much earlier than I thought, uh, retiring in my late 40s rather than my late 50s, and um, brought my horse down, had it in the Hedo, and, you know. At the Hedo. In the Hedo, right. And I knocked on a, you know, knocked on Pat's door, basically, uh-huh. you know, the developer, El Dorado, and said, hey, about that horse ranch, and, and equestrian center, and of course he just started to laugh. I said, I know can't get blood from a turnip. Um, but you know, I realize you don't have money to build it and you're probably not going to because for a long, long, long time because you have all these other things that you're going to have to do first. And certainly your homeowners aren't going to want to have their HOA raised to pay for horses because very few people are into horses. It's not like volleyball or tennis or golf or et cetera. Pickleball. Pickleball, exactly. (laughs) Or off-road or whatever, right? So I said to him, I go, what if um, you still have the land available? He goes, well, yes. I said, well, what if I lease a big chunk from you and just open my own business? That way it's my liability, my employees, my expense, and I'll charge for the services. So it's only the people who want to do it who are going to pay for it. And he goes, well, bring me a business plan. So I did. And he goes, go pick out your property. So I did. (laughs) And it was just blank land with really good footing. Um, And yeah, I just slowly over the years and it's all off grid as well and i live on the ramp on that horse ranch so that i am taking it's totally solar yep it's completely off grid there's currently nine horses and two big arena two arenas a big full-size arena and a giant round pen made out of tires there's a few of those oh yeah (laughs) tires are great tires are they're they're everywhere they're They're perfect they're there they're everywhere um yeah yeah so it works out it works out great Let's pivot a little bit and talk about what it is that you love about something. Oh, 
the beach. Okay, it's the beach. warm. It's quiet. <laughs> There's no stoplights. It's inexpensive. The food is simple as good. Uh, I can walk outside every single day at any moment, turn around 360 degrees and see nothing but beauty and say, mm -hmm. I am so blessed. Yeah. I mean, it's a joy. It's, it's, you'd have to work to be depressed here. You would literally have to work at yeah. it. You know, like you'd have to go stub your toe on purpose and then hit your head. What about you, Yvonne? What do I love about San Felipe? Yeah, I love the local community. Um, people mm -hmm. always ask me, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? And they're usually expats. And I'm like, mm, no, but you want to talk about people in town? Yeah. I'm more immersed into the local community and the different, you know, communities in the, in the community down there. Um, and I love that no matter what, they live day to day, most of them, and some of them have so much less than what we have, and they are so happy, and their families are so family-oriented, and when we present something to them, they all join in. It's not just like one person out of the family. The whole family joins in. You know, we were doing therapy with one little girl, and the mom was there, the dad was there, the sister, the two brothers, the wives mm -hmm. and the brothers, you know, and the whole, you know, it's if they all wanted to know how are they gonna help this little girl, with her therapy and I just see it over and over and over again and that's the beauty yeah so do you speak Spanish I speak very little Spanish uh -huh. um, I usually take a translator with me when I go places and if I don't have my translator I use the app on my phone right to okay. translate back and forth I'm getting better I did take the tran the immersion Spanish with the Ensenada ladies uh -huh. and by the time I left I think I was going oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know now enough of the words that I'm using to communicate with them. Yeah. Well, and the more you do it, the, the better more you get. you're there, you're going to just, that's immersion. The better you right? get, yeah. And they, they always tell me one one word a month. They're like, don't don't rush yourself. One word a month. So they teach me one word, Excellent. and I use it, use it, use it, and then mm -hmm. sticks, and then do another word. And like anybody, whatever you're doing, you tend to learn that if you're somebody who's into gardening you end up learning all the gardening tools you know words if you're into construction you end up learning all of that if you're if you're teaching you know if you're nursing whatever you're doing you will at least learn that and you know what I would say to people who you know they're worried oh I don't know I don't speak the language here everybody muddles through you know a little Spanish a little English a little in between lots of hand signals pointing at stuff draw a picture everybody's game we to communicate and you figure it out and you're kind of amazed how much you pick up right after a while you know you it it's it just kind of flows along the the people who took a lot of Spanish in school like me um, that's great academic Spanish so I'm fine in a government building or reading and writing but as far as speaking to locals it's a different language you know it's not academic right you know but at least you can read and write it, you know. Yes. So at first when I came down, I I would have, I'd ask people, well, write it, you know, escribe, write it down for me. Well, then I found out that a lot of people couldn't write. Or yeah. their Spanish spelling was as deplorable as my English spelling. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, Google, Google gets it close. It doesn't always hit it. Um, if you're using a phone translator, just remember to not use slang, mm -hmm. use very succinct right. English and it'll translate, that's, that's a good it'll translate uh -huh. well. Mm -hmm. um, don't throw in a lot of adjectives mm -hmm. or adverbs, just keep it, keep it, yeah. keep keep it, it simple. simple and it'll work, yeah. <laughs> really what she was simple. saying with the community, you know, <laughs> I, I have to laugh because 
people who come out for writing lessons, at first it's like, you know, one person and maybe their spouse or their mom or dad. And by the third lesson, yeah, you have seven people there and it's it's like a party, like the whole the whole group comes along, you know. And it's great. Yeah. You don't you don't have that in the US. I mean, people no. don't have time. It's not the it's culture. Busy. It's not the culture mm -hmm. and and you know everybody's working three jobs, etc. Um, did you find it difficult uh, to transition into the into the community? Um, what I found difficult is to slow down. Uh -huh. I am a type A personality, very organized, very moved, get it done, do things, get it just boom, boom, boom. So for me, it was slowing down. When I first got here, I was volunteering probably six or seven days a week doing different things. Um, and I've now restricted myself basically to three days a week. <clears throat> and I'm kind of bored on the other four, I'm not going to lie. So I've, I've been really working on um, enjoying more of the beach, like making a beach day. Like, okay, go to the beach. You don't, don't worry about the laundry. Don't worry about the house being clean. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about a party going on somewhere. Go to the beach. You moved here for the beach. Go to the beach. Mm -hmm. And just taking a book in my hammock and hanging out and enjoying the beach. Mm -hmm. um, and then also in the evenings, instead of sitting and watching TV, going and enjoying the hot tub and meeting new people that are actually expats, mm -hmm. American sit Canadians. Yes, mm -hmm. sit on your roof and yeah. look at the stars. Mm -hmm. Just it is. It's um, wonderful to be able to have that opportunity to slow down and realize that you don't have to go 24-7. And that was one of your issues also. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I go 24-7, but it's 24-7 what I want to do. Yeah. It's not what I'm being forced to do by an economic or social challenge, you know. She's so, still working. It still yeah. works. So. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going 24-7, but it's all my passion. So, yeah, I've been up since 4.30 in the morning, but I've been riding horses until I got here, and I'll go home and ride horses. So, oh, darn. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's to hike with my dogs for an hour in the open desert, whether it's light or not. Either I'm under a beautiful sunrise or sunset or a blanket of stars with my little flashlight right. and my dogs are loose running in the desert. Yeah. And the same goes for you. Well, I do more of the in-town stuff again. Um, I work with Sergio Gonzalez Perez on getting the Nino Terrarina building up yeah. and going. It's a girlfriend of mine that owns it. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what that is, it's across the street to the left with the casino next to the tourist yeah. building. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, my girlfriend was distraught with, they had to leave in 2008 with the, the fall of the financial right, situation. Right, right. And it's been up and down with the building. And when I got here, she said, hey, can you check out my building? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. And it was deplorable. And when I told her, she came down and she saw it and she was very distraught. It was horrible. And um, at that time, Sergio was talking about starting the orchestra. And we'd started getting them instruments and things like that. But there was nowhere to store the instruments or nowhere for them to practice. And so I was like, okay, Sergio, um, I'm going to show you something. Don't judge it. Think about what you could do with it. <laughs> And um, he walked, I mean, there was like literally this <laughs> exactly. much water in the bottom floor. And 
he looked at it and he looked at me and I said, we can start here and we can store instruments and do lessons mm -hmm. and then we can add other programs. And right now I think there's like 18 programs to that building. Wow. All of it are free to the community. They do art, dancing, cooking, boxing. We have all kinds of people that come in and use the building. Um, but for me, that was a great thing for the community, but I was eyeing the pool next to it. Yes, of course. <laughs> It was um, going to be a bumper boat pool when they originally built it. We had already done one year of aqua therapy with the, the disabled students at the community pool. And if you've ever been to the community pool, it goes from about four feet to 12 feet. Yes. And very fast. It's amazing. And um, we taught kids how to swim that were disabled, and we did not let any of them drown. But there were some really not fun moments sometimes. Um, so my goal was, Sergio, what do you think about this? Let's take this pool. Let's refurbish it. Let's make it into a place where the disabled students can come, mm -hmm. and we can do lessons. I say lessons. It's more, you know, these children don't have a lot of electricity or water. They've never been in a pool. So we're taking them and we're like, here, here's a pool. Let's play and have fun. And I mean, it's just a joy to watch them play and have fun. And we do different games. The volunteers that show up, we teach them different games to do with the kids. And they're learning while they're playing. And their parents are able to sit out on the patio in our shade and, and talk and not have to worry for, you know, three hours of their day. It's been, yeah, it's been great. Wow. What gifts you guys have brought. Yeah, I I'm in awe of you both. Yeah. Well, and with the kids, you know, when Thank I you. when I first came down here, I didn't see any disabled children, and the reason why was there weren't any programs for them, and they were being hidden a little the bit. The children of disabled families down here, they are treated almost worse than the cats and the dogs. To be honest with you, they are the machismo of the men. Mm -hmm. If they're born with a disabled child, they don't want it. Mm -hmm. um, most of the moms that the children do live, the dads end up leaving and they're single moms now raising a disabled child. Mm -hmm. wow. We found several students that were ne not nourished, and they were neglected, in lots of different situations. Yeah. That's like so, I said, I never even saw them. And so when she came and started to do all this kind of outreach stuff, and then, you know, like for instance, they come to the pool. Well, because a whole family is like, oh, it's a chance to go to a pool yeah. for free. Right. Mm -hmm. But then they get to see that their kids are actually capable mm -hmm. and having fun mm -hmm. and having delight. And they can rest and they can talk to another mom and they can, you know, go, oh, you know, that kind of commiserating thing. You know, right. there's that strength in numbers. Yeah. And then Yvonne's really good about, well, you know, they're so good at this. Have you thought about them riding a horse? You know, and they're usually like, oh, that could never happen. And of course it does. <laughs> and one of the things that we saw early on, even before the swim program, when you were able to get some kids out there, there was a few very brave dads, you know, dads that stuck with their kids no matter what. Mm -hmm. And they came out and they were enthralled. It was like, my child can sit a horse? I mean, in this in this area, being a vaquero is a big deal. You yes. know, being oh, able to ride is a big sure. deal. A big so here's, here's these children that were kept hidden. Of course, they were loved, but there was, you know, there was shame. There was guilt. There was, you know, all the myriad of things that happen when you're a parent, right? You're doing your best. Um, and now they're on a horse and the parents. So then we started to see more dads show up. And then there was a, a young man who was a single dad, worked at the gas station. He showed up, right? Um, 
and think so one of the yeah, best things that I've cool. seen is that the CAM school has seen the improvement in the students through the aqua and the equine therapy. Mm-hmm. And the parents have now seen that their children can do things. They can do they stuff. They can make pencil toppers or pinatas or wash a car, um, do arts and crafts, you know, just things like that. Swim, ride a horse. Mm-hmm. One of the parents at the CAM school, she has taken her and her husband, he's... Um, he taught the softball team with the disabled students. So if you've never seen them play a game, oh, that's awesome. it is the best. It's so heartwarming. But they have formed the first parent-teacher association for autistic children because that is the highest disability here in San Felipe. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, and in most so places. They have, they have been getting other autistic parents to come in. And what we've been showing them, they're showing to the other parents and then learning it. Mm-hmm. Now we're sending them different places to get different trainings and come back and share it with each other. We had a parade this year for autism. An On actual April 2nd. Autism parade that was long. Like everybody joined in and a uh, there's a motorcycle group here that's... Mexican and American and Canadian and it's a large group Mm -hmm. they all came and rode in the parade flying the banners and helped with traffic and And they managed all the intersections for us so they would ride ahead and stop all the traffic so the parade could keep continuing through it was amazing so are you going to do that again next year they will probably do it again this is actually the third year that they've done it it's just grown every year yeah this year it was hugely visible like at first it was I mean, it was visible because we went down the main street, but there weren't that many of us, yeah. right? And now it was like, it took up streets. It was long. So what it was neat. What the parent group has done is they've gone around town and they've got local businesses to donate like a blank wall. And they have put up um, murals for autism and different disabilities and stuff all over town. There's about mm-hmm. 10 of them now. And the purpose of that is that parents that have disabled students mm-hmm. might see it and go, oh. Mm-hmm. and once again, recognizing that there is help here in the community now that mm-hmm. they can get help for their child and get them diagnosed, get them on the proper meds, anything else like that. Where is your funding coming from? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, my funding yeah. is mostly coming from my own pocket. I get some funding, and Yovan's really good at fundraising for like um, a project. Uh-huh. So, like, we had. We needed arena panels, the part, mm-hmm. you know, the fencing. Right. Mm-hmm. And last year did a year-long drive for that, and we're able to raise enough money to purchase the panels. Um, but, you know, that's only two-thirds of the fencing. You then have to right. do all the grading and the posts and everything else. And so most of it comes out of my pocket. So I, how does that change, then? How do we, how do we go about changing yeah. it? Exactly. A bigger cup on a bigger street corner? I don't know. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean, I've tried. I opened. So my business is a Mexican nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's an AC, Association mm-hmm. Civil. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a couple of people who board horses, mm-hmm. so that pays for their horse. I don't actually make any money off them, but it has more people involved in the mm-hmm. center, so that that's a good thing, right? Because we want that. And I do trail rides, so that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, each horse costs about $400 a month to maintain. So, you know, there's six horses that are not boarded. Um, I have a couple of people who sponsor Mm -hmm. there you know they give a monthly donation I have you know some people are doing a monthly donation so that helps Mm -hmm. Um, but I have been operating if it weren't for my funds I'd be operating completely in the red Mm -hmm. you know I'm augmenting that with my own with my own money 
What I did do last year was start a 501c3. Stateside. Stateside, yeah. That, that doesn't exist outside of the United States. And I did that so that Americans could get a tax deduction if they donated. And I set up the 501c3 in perpetuity. So at this point, the way it's set up is to fund equine assisted services in Mexico. With the idea being at some point there'll be copious amounts of money coming in, my facility will be funded and then we can fund other equine service facilities in Mexico because there's quite a few of them and they're all like mine, they're all starving, you know, because, you know, how do you make a lot of money? with horses start off with a whole lot more um it's it has to be a passion so where can people go if they want to make a country they can go to horses in baja.org okay and that's the 501c3 if they want to see what's going on here at our little facility like you know the pictures and you know stuff like that it's dot com horsesinbaja.com. Okay, so but it's horsesinbaja.org to make to a donation. donation. Right. The .com is if you want to come out and ride, okay. you know, okay. um, like you actually want to use the facility, mm -hmm. right? Because that gives you the hours, the the different things going on, the fees, etc. Et and cetera. they can contact you mm -hmm. through, through either of those. Through either of those. Through either okay. of those. And yeah. By email or yeah, telephone it can. Or it does it usually by WhatsApp because I have no telephone service out there. I have internet. Thank you, Starlake. Mm -hmm. um, and if people want to become involved with what you're doing downtown, um, any part of the aqua or equine therapy that is through me, it's basically out of my pocket or through some very good donors that we have. We have about three or four donors that, if I have any kind of a need, I just put it out to them, and they help me acquire what we need. Um, we don't really. I don't like doing fundraisers. People like the pool. People like the pool. Yeah. Well, I have. I have some. You know, the, the sponsors I do have. They either have disabled children or have had, or they've been in the. They know what the program is for, and you know, there's enough people that are supporting the dogs and the food programs and everything else. And so they've chosen to support the children, the disabled children here in San Felipe. Um, it's easier for me to walk up to them. I'm not going to lie and say, this is our need. This is what I can put forward. This is what another, right. another one can put forward. Can you help out and, and have it done? Mm -hmm. It's just easier that way. Fundraisers, to me, hard. they take too much time and there's not enough right. back from it. And yeah. by the time... It's always easier to say, yeah. we need a thing, right? And I, um, you know, for her, we need, we need pool toys. We need right. a pool pump. We need, right. you know, for me, I need fencing, you know, something right. that's concrete, right. something that's tangible. Um, hey. It's always easier. Yeah, I need, um, it's harder to explain to a person that, you know, a horse is a living thing. So it needs food, vet, shoeing, you know, water, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, horse people get it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's always, it's always a challenge. People, anybody who uses Amazon can also um, use, donate through Amazon Smile. Smiley. Yeah. Smile. Yeah. Horsesinbaja.org is on Smile. It's on Smile. It's on Smile. We're... Where do people go to donate to you? I mean, um, most people who donate to me, they know a need and they walk up and... And that's it. That's that's it. You don't have a nope. website? Nope. No website? No, we have a Facebook page for the Aqua program. There's also okay. horses. There's the Facebook Horses in Baja, and they they 
they link up to. Okay. So yeah, okay. we pass we pass notes. The aqua therapy <laughs> program we don't have any kind of links for payments or anything else. It's strictly we just put the pictures up there that we take and what mm -hmm. we're doing in therapy. That is for the community to see that and my sponsors to see that their money is getting what they paid for. Mm -hmm. And right. also for the parents of the students, because once again, when they get pictures of the kids actually performing activities on the horses or mm -hmm. in the water, it just makes their life so much bigger and grander. Right. Yes. Possibilities. And they have yes. and lots and of possibilities. They have value. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they have value. I mean, we all yes. know they have value, but most people don't think about that. Well, I think as I listen to your stories, it's just, I, I think what's such a huge plus is that parents are finding out they're not the only ones. Yes. That's huge. It's amazing how many didn't know that yes. others. Now they have and now community. they're talking and that somebody will say, oh my gosh, so you, I have a cousin that has, and they're bringing right. them together right. themselves mm -hmm. also. That's, what so a gift. The goal of it is for us to to teach them and get them going and let them see the possibilities and then let them right move the program forward because mm -hmm. if it's based if it's pushed by an American they're always going to rely on us to take care of them and that's one of the reasons that Sergio Gonzalez Perez is over the program for the aqua therapy down there is because mm -hmm. it's not my face they see right it's his face it's and his. he's local mm -hmm. the community right if Americans and Canadians want to get involved in what you're doing First off, do you welcome them? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I, always. I, I will encourage physical volunteering over payments or money or anything any day because both the programs take so minimally one to three volunteers per student to do the program. So I'm, when they walk up, if they can walk, if they can't walk, we turn them into drivers. They'll volunteer their car and their gas mm -hmm. and their time. They'll go pick up the students, bring them out to lessons, mm -hmm. um, take them back. If they can't walk, we can have them be the transcriber for the notes for the program, what's going on where we're doing the lessons so we can see. They can be the gate person, the helmet person that puts all the equipment on the kids. You we always need lots people. lots of different levels. You always need people. Yeah. Right. Always need people. And so they can message you on Facebook in yes. order to, mm -hmm. to yes. become yep. involved in the yeah. Absolutely. Or the through the website and okay. through email. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. You know, the, the nice thing about San Felipe, and I've lived in small towns and big cities, both. And this is a nice small town. Mm -hmm. And a small town has the capacity for people to live their dreams and goals um, because there's not all of that rigmarole that happens you know excessive licensing and permits and this and that and having to check with that it's it's much more of hey i've got a cool idea i really have a passion for this whatever your passion is i mean years and years and years ago somebody came here and looked at our beautiful bay and was like this would be a wonderful place for rowing and now little San Felipe's rowing team ended up in the Olympics. That's right. That was just somebody going, hey, well, you know, if they had been in the San Francisco Bay, it would have taken them 10 years to get a permit to drop the first yeah. skiff in the water. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah so, people, so people coming to San Felipe, especially to retire or just to work remotely or whatever, you have a lot of opportunities. I mean, it's, you know, pick your passion. 
that. I mean, there's a couple staying out at my ranch right now because I'm on iOverlander. Like, you know, uh, self-contained campers can come and camp. And they can... Harvest host? Yeah, I'm not on harvest host because harvest host requires that I provide free for the first night. And I can't afford to provide free water when I have to truck it in. Can't do that. Um, so I'm on iOverlander. And um, the people who are there right now are the folks who own um, Called to Wander, which is a wonderful website that's, what they do is they travel, and they're a young couple, they're in their 30s, and they travel North America and soon South America off, off grid camping, you know, so they don't need amenities, they're self-contained, but what they highlight are places to go where you can volunteer. So they found me because they saw on the website that I was, what I was doing and that I needed volunteers. So they said, we'd like to kind of come check you out and volunteer and stay. And um, they're there right now this week as well. And then, you know, headed south to do more stuff. But people who are coming to Baja, you could even go to Called to Wander and look because they, they even are publishing a book of all the different things to do, places to go, places to stay. And yeah, young people. With, with the Eye Overlander, mm-hmm. the majority of the people who stay with me are in their 30s. Yeah, I mean, they really are all, Everybody all walks down. of life. Everybody that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Risk takers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't have boring people here, that's for sure. No, God, no. As far as you two are concerned, what needs more attention are your programs? I think in general the disabled community in disabled town, community building definitely. more things that are you know accessible to them mm-hmm. so that they can participate more in the activities mm-hmm. of the community and making it more community awareness so that when they are out in the community it's not odd it's not odd uh, you know it's it's, it's just hey we have we have one definitely. boy who's part of the program and and you'll probably he's probably the only one you actually see and he wanders the malacon by himself sometimes um, but one of our students. Um, he now, his mom walks him to the grocery store and they shop and before she would never take him out. Yeah. And so just getting them back into the community and getting the, this community has such great support, but it's missing, it's missing the kids that are disabled. You know, everything's kind of like that. You know, I, I see it with our, you know, dementia program is that that's something that we're all kind of afraid of. So if you're afraid of something, you want to hide from it. And now that they're having these wonderful experiences with the person that they love and care for, I know for myself, it's taking the fear, my own fear of aging away because Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, if I can do this program, then there's going to be other programs doing other things. Like it can be just part of life's journey and it's... Yep. And again, we're in a small community where we can focus on those kind of things. We can focus on the elderly that, you know, the elderly in town. Mm-hmm. We can focus on the, the disabled. We can, you know, in the United States, there's a great focus on veterans because we have so many of them and they're damaged. Um, you know, that's here too, not just with expats, with the, the you know, the Mexican population. Um, you know, trauma is trauma. And exactly. any of that stuff that yeah. if if you bring it into the light, then it's better. Are there, is there anything you'd like to tell people who listen to the podcast other things about San Felipe that we don't know about that you really love? Absolutely. 
Um, so part of the Nina de Arena building, um, teaching all different classes, um, we started teaching art to the students, but we realized there was cooking going on and all these things going on. And so there was not the ability to have a, a contained, you know, when you're doing art, you kind of want it quiet. You don't want the wind blowing your exactly. stuff everywhere. Right. So one of the local women here, she used to make the school uniforms for the kids. And she's 80 plus years old and she decided not going to do it anymore because COVID went through and right. she kind of got used, you know. So she donated her building to actually clear out and put an art area for the kids. Well, her daughter is the psychologist at the CAM school. So this was, you know, family related again, and she is an artist herself. (laughs) And she teaches free art lessons to the kids in town. Well, we outgrew the little building very quickly. And now she has partnered with a local artist from the South Campos, and they opened the Art Tienda, which is located across from the bank to the left where the old Rockadile building used to be. Mm And so the local artist's work is up on the wall. So the goal of the Artienda is to start showcasing more local artists, not American or Canadian artwork or things like that, but more local artists. And uh, there is a special shelf in there that has art projects that the CAM students have done. And um, anybody that buys one of their lovely projects, um, the money goes back to buying more things to do projects with them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Uh, so Adriana also has She's an artist herself, and so she started doing macrame shirts that are really cool. And um, she's been doing acrylic painting, and she's now got a new machine that can do some printing on cups or shirts or whatever she wants. She's she is. There's not one thing that I've seen that she's not good at yet. Um, she's amazing. We taught. We took a a woman from La Ponderosa Campo who does. Um, paper quilling and I'd been taking her class and I said what do you think about teaching this to the local students and she was like I don't speak Spanish and I said what if we have a translator and she said absolutely sure so her I and um, Adriana got six students together of different ages two two and two and to see you know how's it going to go and um, gave them everything they needed for the paper quilling class and at the end of our eight weeks with them, we presented Adriana with her own kit for paper quilling. She'd only translated the entire class. She'd never touched it. And within a week, she comes back and she hands me this little 3D paper quilled penguin with a fire pit and everything. I was like, yeah, she's <laughs> I mean, amazing. The mm-hmm. stuff that she does, I mean, I go to her with something, I'm like, I need the, the and she goes, oh, here, but let's do this, this, and she puts it together, and I'm like, okay. We're here, we are. <laughs> um, but she's very much all about the community also and promoting art with the students because, you know, if you have art and music with students, they're going to grow and develop and teaching them something besides what they've always been learning teaching them that they, you know, pencils, acrylics, watercolors. It's a whole different brain development. The little coffee shop that we're in right now um, Mm -hmm. features (laughs) lots of local art, and most of it is produced by... um, Victor. Yeah, by by nationals, but there's the Rosario stuff here, too. He's an incredible stone worker. And we should say Um, the name of the cafe. yes. Yes. This is... Cafecito Lindo. Cafecito Lindo. Thank you for doing that because my tongue would have fallen over that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, you know, this is gorgeous. Um, it's wonderful in here, right? If people coming to San Felipe, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, press about off road, but to me, it's, you take the cars away, don't have anything against off road, love, you know, I mean, it's a festivity, whatever, but hiking anywhere out in this desert or these mountains, mm-hmm. 
is incredible. And there are local guides here, like who are mountaineers, who will take you. Yeah, there's a there, well, and here here's how I met the local true mountaineer person, not not somebody who just gives guided tours. Like I mean, I used to give guided tours because I knew three or four paths and I could do that. But this is an actual grandpa. You know, he's in his 70s. He's been here forever and a day, and he is a mountaineer. And I met him because his grandson was taking lessons, riding lessons with me, and he came out. And he lives in Campo Acatillo. And he does week-long, like, all the way up to the top of Mount Diablo. He hikes the two mountains in town every morning. Yeah, like he does, he has pictures of the little, and this is another thing for little kids. He takes little kids up. He's got all their helmets. He's got all the ropes. He teaches them ropes, everything. So there's there's some awesome mountaineering well, here, see, too. There's, there's, there's waterfalls. There's, but I mean, you know, if you're rugged, there's some, I've yeah. spent the night in caves up on Mount Diablo and just kept hiking up the waterfalls. So, yeah. I mean, see, the, what and he's totally bilingual. Right he's, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah, you know about the off-road people that will take you in a buggy, but not the actual people who will take you with ropes and a helmet. This is (laughs) what you you do also at your place is you have a Wednesday. I do. I have a a Wednesday hike, and it's it's not strenuous. It's a two-hour hike, and I take people out into the desert, places they wouldn't normally get to go, and they get to bring their dogs. Christine Buffalo is, yeah, that, she, is the manager of that oh boy, program. She just goes, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she has yes. she has the walking group, and she came to right. me and said, could you guide us through the desert just one day a week? Because she does it seven days a week. So oh, yeah. she, she walks stop. at the golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the golf course is closed, they do that six miles around the golf course. Right. And, then, and then she's really good, too, about hooking up with somebody who might know a spot somewhere else to go and then the, her group will take a field trip but mm-hmm. Wednesday mornings you can always come out to the barn, and park. The barn. well this is really a bit eye-opening oh. for both of us <laughs> yes. so wonderful and thank you very very much thank Absolutely. you thank you for taking the time to, to hear yeah, what we have thank to say Tricia and I so enjoyed our conversation with Yvonne and Lynn We learned so much about a piece of San Felipe that, unfortunately, goes totally unnoticed. We hope you were as enlightened and as inspired as we were. If you have any questions or comments, or would simply like to volunteer your time or contribute financially or materially to these programs, please go to either of their Facebook pages, Horses in Baja or Aqua Assisted Therapy Program. Or you can simply go to their website, which is horsesinbaja.com. And next time you have to make a Sunrunner trip, why not step next door and treat yourself to a coffee, a pastry, or some stray dog ice cream, and relax a moment surrounded by wonderfully local artwork at Cafecito Lindo. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to turn left at the cactus for no bad days. (laughs) 